It's a time. All right, all right, all right. Welcome in, y'all. Thirsty Thursday. I am thirsty for Javi's brain and his knowledge. This is getting weird already. What's up, Cannabis Insider? Elliot Lane, Javier Haas, here to bring you your bi-weekly dose of cannabis insights and news. Aaron Thomas, get us started. All right. Welcome in. Javi, what's up, man? Yeah. Welcome, everybody watching. Uh, this is where we talk about cannabis news. And Javier reviews some products every now and then. We got to get those back on, man. We got to get yeah, your man. next we product should, review yeah, going. Should, we, well, maybe we have some time today. I'm going to show you yeah. uh, You know how the Zenko works. And remember, I was, uh, I was talking about that a few Sick. weeks ago. Uh, I got a bunch of stuff since, though. I have um, <laughs> I got a bunch of free stuff since. I so love this it. This is like a fancy grinder and i wonder how it works i haven't tried it yet but the people at higher standards and and lefi shop here sent it so we'll figure it out i'll read nice it soon. <laughs> nice well what's up y'all lot happening uh, in the world of cannabis stocks are a wonder over the past week and a half uh just as always i mean there's no shock there um uh, but javi man what's going on what, what's top of your mind today so last night, Tesla reported earnings. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're going to talk with you here. Um, you know, a, an interesting article by uh, Nina Stiniak, uh, our, our associate editor for cannabis at Benzinga. Um, she looked at Massachusetts and uh, the cannabis regulator in that state is under scrutiny. The question is, who is watching the watchdog? Who is watching the watchman, right? Uh, what happened is is Michael Cannon, the CEO and founder of the uh, founder of the, of the state's first independent marijuana te testing lab, has been speaking out against the Cannabis Control Commission of Massachusetts, saying that um, you know he, he is being intimidated in, in a sense, right? Uh, whenever he calls out certain issues, um, they, they 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 seem to go hard on on on. On these labs, uh, they they requested, for instance, like twenty thousand pages of, of documents. They requested right a, a bunch of things that seek to, you know. Um, so wait, so the the cannabis yeah, regulators. So let's let's dumb this down a little bit. The cannabis regulators are intimidating a lab. Um, I wouldn't say intimidating. Yeah, I, I yeah. might be a little bit. I was like, I was like, I was like, are we really thinking the Massachusetts cannabis state regulators are like a mafia here? No, maybe really, we're all in it for money, right? Like some some of these independent testing labs are raising concerns around uh, consumer safety, right? And and in response to this, they say that the can that the the the, the commission, uh, the cannabis control commission, the CCC not affiliated with a uh, cannabis capital conference <laughs> but, you know is is, is is scrutinizing them extra hard right whenever they go like okay you know maybe we're our standards are not uh you know quite there yet uh what they say is the uh regulators are responding with with you know a certain level of, of aggressiveness there go read the article on benzinga.com slash cannabis it's a super complex issue i cannot uh, you know summarize in, in a minute neither do i want to but after the show benzinga.com slash cannabis 
You know, it's uh, Massachusetts seems to be um, under, I would say it seems to be a positive growth right now in the cannabis market. They had a record month recently. I mean, a few com- a few states did. Uh, Michigan did as well. Um, but it does seem like Massachusetts cannabis isn't necessarily on the decline. Um, so maybe this is, I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting time for this article and this topic. But regardless, go read it on benzinga.com slash cannabis. Um, you know, let, let's keep the, let's keep the conversation going, but Javier, what else, man? You got some interesting headlines. Yeah. In Canada, they, they, uh, health Canada is launching a new initiative to randomly buy and test both legal and illegal cannabis products to analyze and compare them and gather information on THC inflation among other issues, uh, that they are looking into. This is very interesting. Uh, and, and again, it's, 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 you know, here's the opposite side of it, right? You see um, a regulatory agency taking patient safety uh, very seriously. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love to see that. What, what do you think? I mean, yeah, you should always take <laughs> um, anything to do medicinally has to be taken seriously. And that is an interesting segue. You saw Pablo Zwanich's report yesterday yes sir it was long I mean, though it's, it's it like long pages, man yeah, yeah. I, I mean I very interesting it. read it's public y'all <laughs> go to twitter yeah go to twitter it. uh it's 420 odysseus is his twitter handle fucking phenomenal mm-hmm. twitter handle excuse my language but i mean it needed um but i, don't, I never curse why did i just curse um <laughs> that yeah, said uh we really can. interesting you know, his, his, he has thoughts on safe predictions there. He says safe isn't going to happen until the fall of 2024, but it will happen. Uh, so, you know, deja vu. Um, and then the, the rescheduling aspect, he, he doesn't know what will happen, but he, it will be rescheduled to two or three, uh, he says. But that will promote medicinal cannabis across state lines. However, mm-hmm. Congress will not uh, be there to, imp- to uh, adjust uh, to the necessary changes that something like that will require. Um, however, the FDA would be involved, and of course, that would be an interesting uh, result for both hemp and marijuana, I think. Uh, but Javi, I mean, just a ton of awesome. good tidbits in there. Obviously, it's one That's man's perspective. Um, but those two, I thought, were really great points to, to point out here. Obviously, neither of them are ideal for the adult-use cannabis market. Oh, no. um, But that Far being from. said... You know, I, I'm of the mindset. I, I'm kind of on Don Murphy's train where let's just get something done. I um, you know, we, we've been in this pattern for 10 years. Um, yeah, I, I think something, you know, whatever we get done will unlock, you know, and, and you know, it, it, it's, you know, when you, you, you reach that point where you're just like at a deadlock or a gridlock or whatever you want to call it, right? This, this stagnation point, right? And and there's something that needs to happen for the inertia to reignite. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I will say, you know, counterpoint to that, to my own personal opinion on this, this is not what I agree with, but I was talking to a Minnesota state regulator uh, a couple of days ago, and she basically said that they don't want bills to pass until they have what they want in them. Obviously, you never get everything you want, but it's much harder to change a bill once passed than it is to pass is. a bill yeah, with, of course. The, yeah, with, with <laughs> amendments in it. So I get that. However, they've been playing this game for, I think, nine different sessions now for 10 different years, and we need something for the love of God for the cannabis Did capital. Did you watch that um, Netflix show, uh, Stranger Things? 
Uh, the first season. Great show, though. So one, one of the characters, Eleven, at, at one point defines compromise as halfway happy, which is something that uh, I think uh, many of our politicians need to be reminded of. What a um, sick reference. That's great, Javi. I love it. It's, it's like you're a writer or something. Halfway happy, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, of course you won't have everything you want in a bill because yeah. other people want the opposite, right? And you have to find a middle ground for it to so, so, I mean, it, we'll see what happens. Neither of us have control. But that being said, I, I'm on the train where let's get banks involved. Let, let's make, well, let's give them the opportunity to get involved, actually. Is what Should I'm I saying. run for Senate? What do you think? Um, hey, you already were in front of the Ch- Chilean Senate buying for weed. Why not the U.S.? Um, <laughs> so, Javi, I have one more thing, and then you can do a quick round robin uh, before we get to our awesome guest today. Um, but for me, a lot of conversation, a lot of headlines around unionization in uh the u.s cannabis industry and something that you know this is this is a heated this is a political topic if we're going to be real uh when it comes to unions um i have been a part of a union in the past i think a lot of people have a lot of people still are but there is this this anti-union side uh, of oh, yeah. the cannabis capital market side, right? And, no, and it, it's all of America, man. All of America. All There's of America. Why America but, has Labor Day on a different date than the entire rest of the world. <laughs> However, hold on, let me finish here. Um, so I am actually saying there wouldn't be a need for unions if companies created a safer and more secure and just more um, financially appropriate workplaces. Uh, it is an interesting conversation, but uh, unions are there for a reason. And obviously yeah. with headlines of late, there's a lot of companies that just aren't creating the best standards. I mean, it's it's very hard to, and, and kind of unrealistic to expect companies to, to self-regulate. To It is unrealistic. Self- I totally agree with you. You know, it has never happened. That's why there are unions, you know, everywhere. Um, and also, I think, you know, you, you know, there's there's a correlation here. I think we were discussing this uh, last show or two shows ago. The writer strike in Hollywood is certainly having an impact on 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 unionization as well, I believe. Right. It is showing the power of collective bargaining. It is showing the power of disruption. Right. And, and then people go like, yeah, you know. Strikes are so disruptive. Is it? Yeah, if they weren't disruptive, they wouldn't work, right? But what what I think is is it, it's ultimately showing America, right? That that you know there there's there are other ways to go at uh, employment and the economy, right? We're we're not saying this is right or wrong. There's no right or wrong answer, but certainly unions are get, gaining traction, and. And it's a good thing for workers, right? Because they they have a lot, like many more tools to ensure that their rights are respected, right? Yeah, I, I agree with you that it's it's unrealistic to ask companies to regulate and create those environments. Uh, however, the demands are still being made upon those companies to do just that, right? Um, and when it doesn't happen, the the trend of more of these dispensaries and chains joining the union shouldn't be a surprise. Mm-hmm. That being said, I'm not in depth uh, inside the work environments. So I'm speaking on a third party perspective here, just from um, 
you know, what's been reported. And, and those are generally reported on facts. So all that there's said, a, Javi, it's an interesting conversation a, that will continue to take place. Yeah, there's a whole range there. You know, there, there are companies who are, you know, that are great uh, and treat their employees fairly. They provide a safe and, and, and nurturing work environment. Many others don't, right? And that is a reality, right? And, yeah. and for those... Uh, when you stand alone against a corporation, you have all the losing cards. Um, yeah. Collectively, you gain a little bit of strength. Some good news out of Luxembourg. We're starting tomorrow, Friday, July 21st. Uh, the adult use uh, cannabis law is going into effect. Go check out the details on menzinga.com slash cannabis. Some other headlines before we get to our, our guest. Khalifa Kush products are coming to Massachusetts uh, via Cresco Labs. Uh, Happy Monkey, our good friends, Vlad Bautista and his team, a big shout out to them. They got um, a New York cannabis retail license and they promise to continue to foster social equity. So big shout out there. And Filament Health is uplisting to the NASDAQ in a $210 million bag deal. Go check out the details. I'm nice. I like Filament. Filament's a very cool company. Uh, oh, yeah. they are. I think they're really taking on that uh, platform of psychedelics as a medicine, as a therapy, and the the delivery mechanism in pill format, um, amongst other you know things that they're researching and, and delivering on. Um, I I really enjoy Filament. I think that's a really solid uh, company. Um, yeah. You know, no financial advice here, but that is one I'm definitely going to be watching. Um, all right, Javi, I think that's it for us, man. Let's get somebody Yo. way cooler uh, than us on. Let's bring on Sharon Letts. Excited to welcome her. Welcome, welcome, Sharon. How are you? Oh, you might be muted. Yeah, there you go. Oh, you know what? I am dark. I don't know what's going on. Yep. You, you you know what this is giving me the vibes of? Are those like 90s and early 2000s like docu shows? <laughs> yeah, you're anonymous. Evanescence. Well, how are you, Sharon? How How is, uh, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, well, you oh, know what? I have better. to get this thing fixed first because this isn't working for me. Hold on. Sorry, guys. I'm good. Hello from Mexico. No. Hola, como esta? Mexico. Very cool. I live in Mexico. Do you know why I live in Mexico? Oh, there we go. There's something. Um, because I write full-time for cannabis publications. <laughs> it's, easier, it's easier for me to live down here. Yeah. So tell well, us a little bit about your, your history and your work. You know, uh, you know how you got into cannabis. It's I, I know it's it's been a a lifelong story for you, a lifelong passion, something that has yeah. been a part of your life for yes. a long time. So walk us through some of that and 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 you know how you got into it and how it turned into a career. Yeah. Um, well, I was um, when I was twenty four. I started my own gardening company. I did flower beds. Uh, for well-to-do people. And uh, I grew up in Redondo Beach in Southern California. Uh, graduated high school in 77. Started my own business in 84. And then I was asked by a local television programming director to do a gardening show. So that's how I got into television. I started producing and hosting my own local gardening show um, for local TV. And then I 
went to Los Angeles. I executive produced for PBS, uh, documentary and magazine shows. And then I worked on um, documentary and magazine shows in Los Angeles as a field and segment producer. And I was brought up to Humboldt County to produce a local news show because my daughter wanted to go to college up there. Hmm. So uh, that's how I got up to Humboldt. And then I got breast cancer in Humboldt. And because I was known as a local, you know, features writer for the local paper, The Times Standard, uh, Pearl Moon of the Bud Sisters, she's one of the longtime um, judges for the Emerald Cup, also a longtime uh, back to the lander farmer in Southern Humboldt, brought me the cannabis oil and said, take this uh, with a toothpick. She gave me a 60 gram jar that's made from one pound of plant material. That's the uh, what they call the honorary Rick Simpson oil, but it's actually an alcohol reduction. So the first mm-hmm. night I took it with this toothpick, um, I didn't need a sleeping pill. That's a multi-million billion dollar industry in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I was in mainstream media. That was not lost on me. Um, the second day I didn't need my painkillers. Two and a half weeks, upwards of 10 pharmaceuticals were gone. I was 62 at that point. Um, so... No, 52 at that point. That was more than 10 years ago now. Um, So I was, you know, a 50-year-old woman in menopause on many prescription meds in mainstream media. I was just, you know, a typical American. And uh, this changed everything. In two and a half weeks, all the pharma was gone. Two and a half months, the cancer was gone. And I was in mainstream media, and this was just nothing less than miraculous. Well, you know, I've been writing patient profiles ever since for 10 years. And I'm just dumbfounded that the United States government still hasn't recognized it as beneficial. It's just very frustrating for me coming from mainstream media, you know? Yeah. So that's my 101. That's my quick 101 <laughs> of how, how I so, got here. And uh, what, what what's the process? I mean, you've been in mainstream media. What's the process in, in regards for um, a, not necessarily adoption, but at least understanding the ins and outs of the industry. I was watching Good Morning America. I do every morning. Uh, big fan uh, <laughs> of Michael Strahan. I think he's like a, the jolliest, coolest dude. Um, but when it comes oh, to yes. GMA, they did a story on um, Delta 8. And the entire time, uh, really the products, they looked like Doritos. They looked like Oreos, things of that nature. And um, I think it was the CDC or, or some um, kind of federal health organization sent them kind of basically cease and desist letters uh, on this. You know, this is not cool. You can't be doing this for children's sake. Um, you know, what we would expect. Um, but the entire time they were calling it marijuana uh, and they were calling it uh, essentially uh, the cannabis industry. Right. And they don't have the knowledge, the understanding of the relationship between these products um, not to say that they're not related. However, there is a difference, especially on the regulatory level. What does it take for mainstream media to, to truly start doing their research and understanding that? Is it federal movement? Is it something else? No, it has to be taken off of Schedule 1. It's very simple. Schedule 1 says it's not medicine. The minute we called it recreational, we fucked up. Excuse my language. Um, it's not recreational. It's all medicine. And um, the thing is, we as a species up the THC to the levels we have to defend today. It's not a therapeutic dose. This is why Mm -hmm. so many people have an issue with trying it for the first time for medicine. Dosing is impossible. I can't, Mm -hmm. at 10 years, 
I've been writing patient profiles, meaning I've been, you know, re I'm a research writer, I'm a documentarian. So I dig deep. So if a patient says, you know, I had this ailment, I look up the ailment, I was on this pharma, I look up the pharma, it, I replaced it with cannabis, this is what I do. All the dosing is different. Every it's it's a very proactive thing. When when Rockefeller started the pharmaceutical industry in the late 1930s, how they demonized apothecary, which is the practice of making medicine with plants, which is what we did forever, right? The pharmaceutical industry is relatively new yeah. and experimental. And in my mind, it's failing terribly for a lot of people, including myself. And um, now I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> I no, I think it was a good answer. I think it's just, it's... It's no. medicine. It's not recreation. Yeah. Oh, I know. The thing is, we we lost the education of the medicine. So when California was the first state to legalize in 96, everyone said it was bullshit. They said it was a lie. It was just so people could get high. They mm -hmm. didn't, um, even though the, the information was there. The NDA has, you know, the National Drug Abuse, whatever, they've funded lots of studies outside the country with positive outcomes. They shelf the positive outcomes. I've dug up those studies and written a lot about, you know, things like pregnant women should be able to do cannabis. But the thing is, it's that THC. We have up that. Okay. So that's what we have to explain now. The irony is THC is a beneficial compound in itself. It's just too high for a therapeutic dose for medicine. So I guess, you know, but it's still not recreation. Even if you get too high on a brownie, your endocannabinoid system is going to benefit. All your organs are going to, you know, all of our biological systems are addressed by plants. And hashtag, not just cannabis. I mean, I say cannabis was my gateway to other beneficial plants because mm -hmm. they all have the same compounds. I did an essay for my one of my series I write, Daily Dose for Vegas and Tahoe Cannabis Magazines, on my top five favorite beneficial plants, not including cannabis. But what I did was I broke them down by terpenes and showed the um, how similar they all are to cannabis. So cannabis as a superfood has all the beneficial compounds that rosemary, basil, chamomile is one of the top ones. They all are antioxidants. They all have mm. laboratory studies proven that they kill cancer cells. I'm not kidding. So the yeah. thing is, it's that THC we have to keep defending. That's the problem. And that's why they call it recreational because it gets you high. But yeah. that high, you know, that high, it's a uplifting. The word high is more apropos than stoned. Stoned is from the alcohol culture. Okay. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with how we feel when we're uplifted by the plant. Indeed, it's, it's a lack. Yeah, one Laugh of the things I think, you know, we, we've discussed in the past in this show, and I was actually talking about this two nights ago with a friend who visited me, right? Uh, he made a cannabis-infused olive oil, and he brought it. It was low THC. We're, like, just trying a little bit with bread and seeing how it worked. And, and we were talking about how uh, the pharma industry has certainly created this idea that medicating needs to feel like medicating needs to feel needs to make you feel or remind you that you're sick there there's something wrong with you you need a pill you need a an injection whatever it is right 
and 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 what happened with with cannabis, right? And, and medicating with cannabis in, in in many occasions is that it sometimes doesn't feel like medicating in the traditional sense. It's it's not a pill or anything, so people have a hard time reconciling the idea that this is med this this is med medicinal or medical or therapeutic. Yeah. and not just recreational because it doesn't feel like medicating right when they told us to eat our fruits and vegetables they should have scared the shit out of us they should have said it's a matter of life and death because it is because when you have a diet rich in plants and i'm not saying don't eat meat at all although i eat less meat than i used to your all of your benefit all of your biological systems are being um, strengthened your immune systems being strengthened this is what plants do for us the endocannabinoid system was only discovered you know in the early 90s in the u.s but this is how plants write us this is how they address our our bodies are designed perfectly we should not be getting sick at all we are getting sick by our own hand of toxins in our environment that we've done ourselves. So, you know, it's no, no secret now that we're the worst thing to be put onto this planet. But the thing is, the plants are the things that, that are going to write us. Cannabis was kind of a spiritual awakening for a lot of people realizing it is medicine because it opened the doors, as I said, for other plants going, okay, this cannabis isn't special. All these plants have cannabinoids and terpenes that have medicine in them. All of mm -hmm. them have a scent that we are drawn to because our alchemy in our body needs whatever that scent that we're drawn to. If you're, you know, if you like lavender and you're drawn to that scent, it's because probably you need it for your alchemy. You need it for yourself. But, you know, we drink mm -hmm. alcohol. We, we do other recreational drugs. You know, so many people still do cocaine. I'm blown away. Um, but so we do bad things to ourselves every day. Many of them are legal and that's what messes up our alchemy. So the mm -hmm. plant concentrates I found the last 10 years with my work is we need the concentrates. I mean, even vegetarians and vegans test with hot, heavy metals because our soil and water and everything is so tainted now. But, um, it's, it's not rocket science. You know, we're humans on this earth, you know, forget about Adam and Eve. It was all about that apple, right? I mean, we need these plants in our systems. That's a t-shirt. Right? <laughs> I, I made that up during an interview one time. I should put it out there. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, you know, I, I wanted about the you know, I was curious. Uh, you, you were talking about starting in, in mainstream media or, or, you know, you were in mainstream media and 10 years ago, you really started writing about cannabis. Did you only find a sounding board or a place in, uh, you know, cannabis focused publications like High Times or did the mainstream media also embrace this new topic of yours? And if, if, if they did or didn't, like what happened, how did, did they treat the the, the topic, right? You know, I, I, in my I personal experience, like, I love this question so much. I, I never get it. We don't, we don't ever go there. And I'm so glad because it's a niche. You guys know, cause you're in media. Um, it was the worst experience of my life. I mean, when I was in mainstream media, I was a documentarian. I was a research writer. Even when I parlayed all that from TV into uh, newspapers at the time standard, I was a feature writer. I did human interest and, um, I was believed. I was believed. I wrote environmental pieces. I wrote all kinds of things and mm -hmm. I was believed and I was respected. 
And, you know, those words are huge for me. You know, it's, it's huge for people that write because, you know, we don't get paid enough. Um, as you mentioned in the television, even in the television world, you know, without us, you guys are nothing, but we don't get, we're not at the top, you know, we're not above the line in television. The writers are not above mm -hmm. the line. You know, we don't make the money. Um, so when I crossed over, I lost friends. I lost respected friends in the television industry because of what oh. I was doing. And they didn't, how could they believe it? It's still on schedule one. I'm an idiot. And in my 10 year anniversary piece, I wrote for high times. I said, you know, for me to be speaking like this and writing like this for 10 years, and it be not true. That would make me a sociopath. Okay. That would, you know, maybe you shouldn't listen to me. That would make me absolutely fucking insane to be going on like this, right? <laughs> 10 years. I mean, and, and I have television shows developed on this and I have books developed I want to write and I can't do anything until they take it off the of schedule one. So yeah, the amount of disrespect I've received since crossing over has been mind boggling considering how respected I was prior because I'm a documentarian. I'm a PBS person. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, <laughs> I'm a serious research writer. So, you know, it's for me to even friends and family. I'm not kidding. My now ex, you know, the, the one I left in Humboldt, he didn't even believe me when the cancer went into remission. He thought, oh, it must be something else, you know? And in the six month mm -hmm. follow-up letter said, oh, you have scar tissue there. We're assuming it's from a prior surgery. It's like, it wasn't from a, it went away, you know? Hmm. So anyway, yeah, I, I beat my head against the wall these years trying to, and I actually, I don't even try and convince people anymore. I really don't care enough. I mean, I'm old now. I don't care. I've done this. My body of work is impressive. I know this. Uh, I know when I die, I pray when I die, people are going to start reading it and it's going to come off of schedule one. And, and, you know, I hopefully my work will be respected and recognized because yeah. No, one I'm else. sure it will be, Sharon. I, I really have no doubt. So I have one more question. And wrap. So, you know, thinking about where the cannabis industry is going, you know, uh, a massive um, shift in perspective on the federal side would need to take place to send everything back to medical, even though rescheduling technically supposedly do that. But I think in regards to what they would regulate and what they wouldn't, I don't think they're going to backtrack on states um, legalizing it. So in that mindset, say like we all agree on that mindset, even if we don't, um, yeah. the recreational side uh, is here to quote unquote stay, at least in certain markets. You know, thinking about chamomile, thinking about these other antioxidants, these other products that have medicinal benefits, but I drink tea at night to relax. You know, maybe that is a medicinal idea, but I don't use it as medicine per se to, to help fix mm -hmm. something outside of my mood. Um, you know, so maybe that's part of it. Maybe, but I guess my whole point here is perhaps it's on the cannabis space and, and, and educators, both on the medicinal side and not, to paint multiple different pictures about how this increased access for marijuana and cannabis can be beneficial to each individual person. Would you say that that is uh, a good uh, place for us to go? Would you say that that is not far enough? I'm just curious what your opinion would be on that direction yeah. uh, as opposed well, to just the pure, purely I actually, industry. I actually, I actually discovered this whole thing, what you're saying early on. I was um, hired by Skunk Magazine early on to cover both uh, Colorado and Washington State when they legalized. 
um, what before and after. What I observed is that edible taken for curiosity just to get high. Mm-hmm. If you have real symptoms, it turns into a medible immediately. It's a 24-hour process. I mean, you know, look at me. One one night, I haven't taken a sleeping pill since that first night. So, you know, it is medicine. It's always medicine. It's a lack of education because it's on Schedule 1. Um, yes, you're always going to have people like yourself saying, yes, I drink that tea at night, but I don't consider it medicine. Yes, it is medicine. Yes, you are medicating with tea. Teas are medicinal herbs. In Mexico, where I live, the tea aisle is this big. They have five different kinds. They have siete azores, which is seven flowers, which is all superfoods. They take it for medicine. They have chamomile. They have lemon verbena. They have a very, it's all medicine. The United States, the tea tea aisle is huge. It's all for flavor and aromatherapy and, you know, la, la, la. It's all medicine. So it's a lack of education. And the recreational market is going to continue and they're going to market like that and whatever. But I'm sorry, if you think you're just getting high at the end of the day, I, I have not interviewed anyone in all these years that I cannot convince or make to realize you are medicating to recreate. Hmm. So. Man, you got you have a lot of good uh, good one liners and t shirts here. Sure. You, have, yeah. you, have a, you have a swag line. There's a potential swag store here. Um, I'm happy to be chief business development officer. Um, so Sharon, thank you so much for joining us. Really insightful interview, and honestly, a nice bring back to what what cannabis was. It was medicinal advocates uh, fighting mm-hmm. to be able to use it. Uh, for medicine and for therapeutics. And there is still that aspect of the industry, uh, if not majority uh, of, of consumers using it for that. So I appreciate oh, yeah. you and your your opinion, your perspective and your body of work. Uh, you know, thank you for continuing to, to write about and fight for. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Excellent questions. Really appreciate you guys. Thank you for your good work. Thank you. Thank you, Sharon. We will talk to you soon. Really appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. And stay tuned. We have a full article on Sharon's 10-year hmm. anniversary writing about cannabis and some of her best stories coming up on Benzinga next week. I Very cool. article last night. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everybody who tuned in. We ran a little over today. Thank you. Worth it, though. It's nice to hear these perspectives. Uh, we want to give voice to every side of this industry. Um, and honestly, I think that one is an important one. So, Javi, last words to you, my friend, but always a pleasure bzcannabis.com. Come join us in Chicago for the Benzinga Cannabis Capital Conference, September 27 and 28. The best of the best, the biggest investors, the biggest companies, Governor Pritzker, lawmakers, celebrities, everyone you want to meet in one place, social equity applicants, you know, anything and everything you're looking for is in one place in Chicago. Marriott Magnificent Mile. Oh, Javi. Uh, and with disclosure, none of what you hear on the show is medical or trading advice. So make sure to consult a physician or medical professional before making any decisions around your health or quitting any medicine. Uh, and make sure to research any investments you want or are thinking of making before. We're just two. We're just two bearded guys talking about the green, right? slightly bearded guys talking about the green. How about that? We love you too, Kyle Porter. Thank you so much. Appreciate everybody. We're out. We'll see you again on Tuesday. Peace.